Volcanoes erupt from climate change. That and other stories for the week ending February 1st. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin. And it's This Week in Water. Iceland is on the rise, and we're not referring to its economy, which, to be fair, is doing quite well, thank you, due to a booming tourist industry. We mean it's literally going up. According to researchers from the University of Arizona and the University of Iceland, glaciers are melting so fast that parts of the island are rising as much as 1.4 inches a year. Put another way, as the island's ice shrinks, the land pops up, similar to a trampoline once a person jumps off. This latest study concludes that global warming is to blame and that the melting is happening at a faster pace than first thought. If that weren't distressing enough, the researchers believe the extra uplift could be behind an increase in volcanic activity. The researchers point out that the last time Iceland's glaciers got thin, about 12,000 years ago, its volcanic activity leapt 30-fold. China is facing a water crisis, and part of the solution is to transfer water from the south to the north by massive aqueducts and diversions. But China's thirst is seen as an opportunity for at least one company located far away in the Arctic. The firm, Arctic Ice Cap Water, is hoping to export water to China and Indonesia. The company takes chunks of icebergs from a bay, melts them, and then bottles the water in, of course, plastic bottles. There are other companies that are bottling Arctic waters for export, including Icelandic Glacial, Iceland Spring, and Snow Water. And the selling point of all these brands is purity. In other news related to the Arctic, last week the Obama administration announced that it will propose protecting about 12 million acres in Alaska from fossil fuel exploration. Obama said that the area is pristine and undisturbed, Not so, however, for regions off the Atlantic coast. Two days after the Alaska announcement, the administration said it would sell oil and gas leases offshore from Virginia to Georgia. Fish populations in Africa's largest lake are declining, which is jeopardizing the livelihoods of two million people. Last week, a report by Mother Jones examined the causes for the decline in the number of fish like perch and tilapia in Lake Victoria. The causes appear to be overfishing and climate change. Overfishing could be controlled if the local government enforced catch quotas. But in addition, some scientists believe that rising temperatures are a cause of the decline. A study of Lake Tanganyika concluded that warming waters resulted in a 30% drop in fish. Lake Victoria is different from Lake Tanganyika, but it's hard not to draw the same conclusions. Meanwhile, some areas of the region have lost up to half of the full-time fishery workers. The Environmental Protection Agency is tasked with protecting the waters of the United States from pollution and degradation. Last year, the agency released a proposed rule that could include wetlands and ponds in addition to the obvious rivers and streams. Recently, the EPA released a little-noticed study called Connectivity of Streams and Wetlands to Downstream Waters that supports a broad interpretation of what it should be protecting. 
The study concludes, among other things, that streams, regardless of their size or frequency of flow, affect downstream waters. Also, wetlands can have an impact on other waters, even when they may not be connected. These conclusions may seem self-evident to some, but last week Republicans joined by some Democrats introduced a bill to limit the EPA's definition of waters of the U.S. Representative Paul Gosar, a Republican of Arizona, issued a release saying that the EPA's proposal would be a blatant overreach by the federal government. We close today with something really cool, literally. Check out the freezeway proposed for Edmonton, Alberta. Skip skating around in circles like you would at a rink. Matt Gibbs has a better idea. As part of his master's thesis, he decided to reimagine how people might get around his hometown and proposed trails that would be for bikes in the summer and skaters in the winter. The temperature in Edmonton sits below zero for about five months of the year. While some may view that as a reason to hibernate, he saw it as a hidden opportunity, a way to make people fall in love with winter. Additionally, the freezeway could be a sustainable mode of transportation and a way to attract tourists to Edmonton. Gibbs envisioned people skating to work, to hockey games, or just for the fun of it, with plenty of venues along the way to grab a drink and socialize. No mention as to whether his plan would include a Zamboni to clean the ice or if the venues along the way would include a penalty box for aggressive skaters. This Week in Water is a production of H2O Radio and is sponsored by Colorado Waterwise. Learn more at coloradowaterwise.org.